Welcome to Beyond Beauty, the Professional Beauty Association's podcast, where we take a deeper look inside the minds and the hearts of the incredible people in the professional beauty industry. I'm your host, Leslie Perry, and with me today is the ever-amazing, incomparable Missy Meganson. Now, if you have been following Missy, if you're familiar with Missy, you may know her as So You're a Hairstylist, following her on Instagram and other social channels, but there's so much more to Missy that we're going to get into some of that background. And, and first of all, if you could just like let people know a little bit of that like short history of how you became a hairstylist and what made, you know, what drove that decision for you. Um, thank you so much for having me. One of my favorite people in our industry. I always love doing things with PBA with you. Um, so thank you again. I have, I would say like everybody, every hairstylist feels like they have an unconventional story. I, I have listened to a lot of them and, and mine tends to be one of the more unconventional ones because I actually didn't start doing hair because I wanted to do hair. I started doing hair because I wanted to have a paying job fast. Um, for whatever reason that was, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I was 17 years old and I just wanted I didn't see the point in school. I had been <laughs> dual enrolled, you know, much to my parents' chagrin. Like I actually loved school. I was, I was decent at it. That was my jam. Um, being a parent of a 15 year old is super fun because it's not her jam. And I'm like, why don't you like taking notes? It's the best. So I just kind of got a head start in, in college. And then I, um, the, the kind of nail in the coffin of, I don't want an office job was I interned at an accounting firm. And I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done in my actual life. Um, I want, I don't know how people do this all day. Like same thing every day, the business casual vibe. And I just remember thinking that the place where I'd done to get my up dues for prom that I paid for myself because my family couldn't afford to like, we were like the total haircuttery family. Um, I was like, I think it'd be really cool to work there. And that's sort of what started it all. That's amazing. And now, I mean, fast forward, however many years, doesn't 20 matter. almost 20 years, almost. I know, almost 20 years. Oh my gosh. So how did you forge your way in the industry? If you didn't necessarily, because some go to the, the school you're supposed to go to, or you didn't know, like, I have to do hair. Like what, how did you like find this path for yourself when it is more unconventional? Yeah. And I think my entire path has been unconventional. So it's very on brand. Actually, I, <laughs> I don't, I think that the things that stay consistent, it's funny because my husband went from owning a, a Jimmy John's like franchise to insurance and everybody was like, we're transition. I'm like, not really. It's customer service and sales. Just one is a sandwich and one's an insurance policy. And so for me, it was always, um, choosing a path where I could feel in control of what um, my finances looked like and of what my, I guess, my life outlook looked like. And each step along the way in my hair journey, I've continued to basically make my choices that way. Um, it started out as apprenticing in the salon and then um, going out on my own very early on as an independent stylist and then having to restructure that 500 times because I got pregnant really fast after we got married. 
and then moving a thousand miles away and starting all over. Um, and then kind of just that constant restructure of what do I want? I guess it's always, what do I want my life to look like first? So like even the choice to do hair, I don't want my life to look like an office job. I had to pay for college myself. So I don't want my life to look like college loans and student debt without an actual career path attached to that. Um, and then I sort of make my next choice based on that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And when we initially first met, it was through our Beacon student program. Yes. And someone I had, I don't, I had stumbled on your website or something. And then someone else had told me, you really need to get in touch with this, this woman named Missy. And um, she would be really great. And you really, what I think resonates so well, and I thought would be great to talk about is that I, that imposter syndrome thing that I think a lot of us in the beauty industry end up feeling. Yeah. Maybe we don't know how to verbalize that, but for the students, especially you created this amazing program for them around, am I good enough to post mm -hmm. where it's like a social media class, mm -hmm. but where does that come from for you? Like being able to like help dial that back for people, this idea of like, I'm not good enough. We all suffer from that. How do we like handle that? Yeah, I would say that it's the the first step for me always is, and this is honestly the hardest per part, the first step is the hardest, I think, or like that whole um, do the next right thing. It's first being honest with myself about how something makes me feel. Um, so if when it comes to maybe that imposter syndrome or not feeling good enough. And again, that my capabilities of, of how I feel about something even change. So I have to be honest with myself that that changes. So when I initially started independent education, Beacon was my very first like paid speaking, like I'm coming to talk, I'm flying across the country. Like, <laughs> and I had, I was like, who do I think I am? All of these things. And so I had to kind of like choose to put my blinders on. And basically I don't consume um, any content that makes me feel uncomfortable. And lately, um, my stress factor has been very high with work and family and all those things. And so actually, as the social media um, agency, I consume literally <laughs> very little. The only media that I consume is literally for research for my clients. Like it is to know what I need to know to do what I need to do. And so when it came to even learning how to educate or learning how to speak, it became, I'm not going to pay attention to anything that makes me feel less than, and I'm only going to fill my mind with knowledge because for me, knowledge does feel powerful. The more I learn about something, the more I become educated on it, the more comfortable I get with it, the more I exercise those little skills, uh, I become more comfortable and more confident. And then that confident breeds um, that next step and that next step. So I, I don't, I feel imposter syndrome all the time uh, still, uh, but I'm, guess I'm just, the first step is to be honest with myself that I feel it and then make choices to counteract it. And when you make that something you just kind of resonates right now for me, that it's okay to feel it. 
Oh, it's not, not bad or wrong. <laughs> it's human. Like I, so it's interesting you say that because I joke all the time that I have no feelings, but I actually probably feel way deeper than I would care to admit on a regular basis. And it's, it's super interesting because I, my biggest joke right now is like, if you want to actually figure out any undealt with trauma that you have from when you were growing up, just start parenting your same gender teenager. <laughs> Like, because I'm like, oh my God, it's all coming back up. And basically admitting that I, I don't have it all together, that I don't feel okay, or that this makes me feel uncomfortable, or consuming content in this way does not bring out the best in me um, is the first step. And actually, that's something that I'm teaching you know, my high schooler navigating this world is it's okay to mute people it is okay to not follow things that don't make you feel good. We have to protect that part of our brain. It didn't exist when I first started doing hair 20 years ago. So I have such a happy, I don't want to say happy, but I have a real life way that I remember feeling about myself and my craft and where I was at my career before everybody else's, you know, perceived success was shoved in my face. No, that's a great point for those of us old enough to remember like, yeah, the dinosaur <laughs> ages before Facebook. <laughs> like, there was life before all of this yeah. social media comparative stuff. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So what keeps you inspired? Like you said, it's almost 20 years in the industry. What keeps you going? Like what, how do you know, do you keep tackling the next project and the next project. Yeah, why? I don't know. Why? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I have a problem. We should talk about that. Tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Call me back. You can join me with my therapist. Um, uh, I think I am deeply in love with this industry in particular, par partially because I've been in it for so long. So that whole knowledge breeds power. It's like, I know so much and have so many years to go back on that. That makes me feel confident, but more than anything, it's, I have reinvented what I do in this industry, what my daily lifestyle looks like within this industry, how I get to show up as a mom for my kids as a full-time working mom, I, I don't even know. It's probably up to close to 10 times what that schedule looks like and how that is. And that is a powerful tool to be able to have as someone who gets fulfillment from working and being a service provider and doing things with people and having my own identity outside of being a wife and a mother and just a, a human in general. I love attaching myself to um, the work that I do. I'm proud of it. And so in this industry, being able to impact people the way we do behind the chair, but then have opportunity to make choices where we can get out from behind the chair and still be involved in something so powerful and at the same time make it fit within your life as whatever your family might look like. I don't know that there's much out there. I'm sure there is. I'm not familiar with it. And so that is powerful and what keeps me in it. Um, I don't know how I'd get out of it. Well, it's one of those, I mean, I've worked in many industries, but really grew up in this, this industry myself. And I can't think of any other industry where you can really chart your own path, where, where we're not just saying that you can yeah. legitimately chart your own path, whatever that means for you. 
and have a lot of fun doing it and make a big impact in people's lives. I remember a conversation with um, Kia Neal where she was talking about how um, the church and the the barbershop were sort of the pillars of the community um, and how important, you know, and it just talks about how much impact just in hair. And, and then you dial it back and it's, we're supposed to follow the trends and stay up to date on the style. And then even how we present ourselves at, at work matters in these things. And so there's this impact that dives deep into every aspect of social targeting on social media. The beauty industry is huge. And when you look at every, like this spider web that goes out from what we do and all these if different avenues that it touches, it's, it's a pretty incredible thing. And it's a pretty incredible thing that we have the opportunity to choose what part of that we want to, what part of that we want to engage in. No, I totally agree. Completely agree. It's all so awesome. So what advice do you have advice that, you know, what you know now that you give to your younger self? I would have advice. I would. So the, the advice that I would give to my younger self would be if she was coming in now, I guess, because it just feels like because our knowledge is so in front of us and there's that like immediate gratitude, like you know, I don't even want to have to talk to the Starbucks barista anymore. I got to mobile order it. So it's ready before I pull in. I mean, life just keeps getting faster and faster and faster paced. And we feel like we have to keep up with it. And I can't imagine what that would have felt like when I was starting up because I had no idea that girlfriend down the road wasn't also cutting little boy's ears while she was doing her first haircut. Mm -hmm. Like you just didn't know. And so my advice it would be to myself if I were starting out now as a as a new baby stylist, and it would be to put my head down and do the work, like to put on some blinders. So there's that. Like I'm going to talk to myself as a baby now. And then back then, I would say um, moderation uh, because if you have a predisposition to kind of bury yourself in work, um, it starting my, my career took off very quickly and I did not know how to handle the type of career that I had at such a young age. Like I did not know how to handle what I was making at 19 and made really big financial choices that then I was like, wait, I don't want to work this hard anymore, but I had already, you know, started. But I have to payments and have to. And I wish that I had been able to say like, it's okay. Like take a beat, like sit in this moment for a minute. Um, and maybe just like apply a little bit of moderation. You don't have to work 24 seven to be a full success. Along those lines, is there something still today missing in the industry? Like, is there something that you think, man, we really still need to work on this, or this is a gap that we need to address? I'll never not be overly obsessed with, that's like a double negative, but I'm going to say it anyways. I, I will always be obsessed with the transition from school to behind the chair uh, because it's just sort of a conundrum to me. I, I, I How 
And again, I think it's a bigger conundrum to me because I apprenticed when I started out. So I started out fully in a salon. I didn't have to go to beauty school and then forge my way outside of that setting and then into a setting. But I just wish that there was an easier transition um, where stylists would go through school and then want to stay in the industry. You know, I, I, I had two girls working at my salon from the same graduating class at our local community college school. And they were the only two out of that class that became professionals. And I just wish that was different. I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know the stats on other industries and, you know, trade school industries and what that looks like. I haven't researched that far, but for me, if you like it enough to stick through like the state board and the perms and the The hard part, (laughs) let's find a way to get you to like make it because there is enough hair to go around for everyone. Stay tuned because PBA is working on something. Yeah, and we're launching into in this this year, so uh, we will connect about that separately because you can play a role with that. So more to come, and for those you heard it watch, here first. More to come. What's that? I said you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first. It's coming soon. Very exciting. I know, <laughs> but it is. You know, we want to keep people excited about the industry. We want to keep the, you involved in the industry and help with that gap. Cause we also believe that there is that gap between school and then what happens when you go to a salon or how to choose your best career choice out of school. Maybe it is working in a salon. Maybe it's going into the business side of the, I mean, the, the career opportunities are very vast. Yes. And school is just the very beginning of an incredible career. Exactly. And I just, I, I am excited to hear that more tools are coming. I mean, that's literally that, issue alone or watching that happen in front of me at a salon that I was at is literally what made me start my blog and that page from nothing with, I don't know why I thought I had all this free time to do it, but I'm so glad I did because it changed my life. But um, that has always been my driving force is to sort of speak to, um, there's no reason why everybody doesn't get to play a part in this if they want it. Like you just have to want it. And then I want the tools to be available for people to be able to make it. So something fun before we say goodbye. What's your favorite decade for beauty? The look. Oh, that's one? a good question. Um, I mean, <laughs> let's just say it definitely would not be 2003, the early 2000s. But when they did have a. Don't no, need to look for pictures of you in the early 2000s. Maybe. Oh, what, girl, I mean, thank what? God there was not an iPhone. I did find a picture of myself and I sent it to my like salon, the salon group text. And I was like, Merry Christmas, girls. And they all were like, that is the best Christmas break. Because I had like the full on like the side bang that started at one corner of my eyebrow on the like end of my eyebrow all the way over. over. Um, I, I love actually in the past 10 years, that pretty hair is a priority. Um, that actually is if, if I'm being honest, this is sort of my favorite that we are prioritizing hair that, um, feels, lived in and salon ready and, um, and pretty like features. We were actually like highlighting people's features instead of, um, you know, like, I don't know, like 
three back-to-back blonde foils with then a red chunk and then a black chunk in the Kelly Clarkson. Like there's nothing about that that did anything for anybody's skin tone in case we were wondering. So, and if that's your jam, like I love that for, I literally do because I had it. But for me, I enjoy when I can make things that feel trendy and fashion forward and also make me feel pretty. No, I love that. And I think it really speaks to what we can do with the artistry, again, in the professionalism of the industry that you aren't sitting in a salon and getting a cookie cutter look. Again, if that's what you wanted, someone can, we can deliver that. But yeah. truly, it's taking this time now as professionals to do a consultation and in, in your features and then help you identify what that look could be and make, you know, when you leave, make you feel so amazing and more confident in your life as the client going off to do your amazing things. And that's what's elevated truly in my opinion. It's it's not it's not that we've been like behind the times with our business skills. I mean, yes, you know I love business, but whatever. I think truly the education and the the trends and the way that hair has has moved forward is what's elevated our career. Everybody used to get the same foil pattern when I first started. I was like, don't even talk to me. You're all getting five quadrants colored. <laughs> now it's so different. And then when we educate our clients on the fact that they're getting something custom to them and shaped to their face and with their exact skin tone in mind and all of these things that have changed even since I've been doing hair, that's when we elevate our craft and then our price tag and then our finishing number. Like that's where it all goes from there. Not just that hairstyles have been undervalued forever, which is still kind of true, but we have this very unique opportunity that I think we're just on the cusp of and we get to capitalize on it. Love it. That's it. <laughs> Who doesn't want to go into the industry after hearing these amazing things? <laughs> I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so too. Okay. Any last parting words of advice that you wish to give those watching? My last words would be when you are finding yourself with that imposter syndrome, please figure out where it's coming from. And if I had to guess, based on the hundreds of people that I've taught and had um, coaching conversations with, it's coming from what's in your scroll. And so find a way to um, limit your usage or to stay in your own lane because social media can be a super powerful tool for your business. So don't just leave it all together because there's a way to make it powerful, but find a way to make it powerful in a way that feels healthy for you. Um, because if you don't feel good using it and doing it, it's not going to feel good back for you. Love it. That's amazing advice. Love, love, love it. Thank you so much for taking the time again for PBA and sharing your wisdom and advice that I know are, will help so many people and cannot wait to see you in person. Oh, me too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.